The local church is a collection of people who are being transformed by Jesus, who live in a community purposefully to model and proclaim Jesus. Scripture tells us to be prepared to give an answer for the hope that we have. Every story is unique. Each person is an individual who has met Jesus. All of us have strengths and weaknesses. Together, we are the church, and these are our stories. Welcome to Generations Church Podcast. I'm Jeff Luddington, and today I have Chris Jackson with me to join us in our Stories of Faith series. Chris, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing very well. Yourself? I'm doing well, man. We just finished our Tuesday morning study, and you were able to hang out. And so I'm looking forward to you sharing your story of faith. For those of you that don't know Chris Jackson, uh, we uh, have multiple generations of his family here. His parents, Reggie and Marsha, have been around for a long time. He's here. You may know his daughter, Kylea, who sings in our worship band. His son, Jaden's in the children's ministry. Cool family. And, and now uh, Lily, your girlfriend, and her kids attend church. And so super cool to have you here. Take me back to the beginning of kind of your journey of faith. Well, I was raised in the church. Uh, I remember the first time that my family went to church. I was five years old. Um, my uh, father had a, a heavy drug addiction and, um, you know, AA meetings and things like that uh, weren't necessarily working. Uh, there was one specific incident. I remember I was five years old. Uh, my mother was on the verge of kicking my dad out of the house and um, through a, a conversation and, you know, me grabbing onto his leg and screaming, you know, don't, you know, daddy, let my daddy stay. Um, it led us to do something different as a family. So my mother turned to the church huh. and, um, unlike the AA meetings, that's what, uh, helped my father get clean. So we started going to church around when I was five. Uh, it, it was definitely what my father needed at that point, helped him get clean. Um, and so I was raised in the church. Uh, we went to church every Sunday. I was involved in a lot of the different children's ministry events, summer camps. Um, as I got older, I even, uh, taught Sunday school okay. uh, when I entered eighth grade. But um, I would, yeah, I was around the church from a young age and I was always integrated in it. And I, you know, I, I followed a lot of the, the rules or not necessarily rules, but um, I did a lot of the things that you should do as a Christian. Sure. You know, I didn't curse. I was a kid at school that everybody called a goody two shoes. Um, I, as I got a little older, I didn't go to parties and, you know, I did what I thought I was supposed to do as a Christian but uh, not until later in life did I realize that I wasn't actually, I didn't have an actual relationship sure. with the Lord. Okay, so before we get to the later, before you realize that, um, and uh, first off, so one of these days I, I want to sit down and uh, I feel like everybody knows Marcia, your mom, like because she's out there, she's, she's a, a, she is a personality to be reckoned with. <laughs> But Reggie, man, your dad is quieter, and uh, but he has an amazing story, and that's really cool. I just, I'm glad you brought that up. Mental note: I'm gonna, I'm gonna get back to that because him telling his story. I know his grandfather, I think, pastored a church in Compton. I mean, like, there's such a story there. So I look forward to that. But give me a snapshot of, and I, I think you did this, but I just want you to expand a little bit. So you're young. Before you start doing things that are wrong, really give me a snapshot of your faith. Like, what did you believe? How did that shape what you do? Was it just 
do the right things, don't do the wrong things? What was it? Yeah, so um, for me, it, it was more a list of things that you do or don't do. Um, like I said, I was, you know, I had a lot of relationships with, with kids in the church and uh, different families in the church. And I understood what you're what you're supposed to do and what you're not supposed to do. But I didn't truly understand the reason why. So to me, it was okay. just a list of, of things that you should or shouldn't do. And, you know, I followed the rules to a certain extent in my youth. Um, but that was pretty much the extent of my faith was just, you know, these are the things that God wants you to do. These are the things that God doesn't want you to do. And I try to just follow that to the best of my ability. That makes sense. And in, in, in a good way, uh, your family is coming to church because your dad is doing something clearly he shouldn't be doing, right? So we're going to the church to, I'm going to say this, and, and this is probably an overstatement, but to correct behavior, right? And mm-hmm. oftentimes in the church, we drift into a place of behavior modification, and that's not the gospel, right? And so I can see how the setting might even lead you to that um, but that's something you come to later that that's not it so take me so let's move on so you're gonna you, now you're gonna go into I don't know whatever middle school high school so take me there yeah so um, going into middle school I still for the most part was maintaining my faith um, and you know living according to the principles in the scripture um, but you know as you get older I went to a public school um, you start to be subjected to a lot of different individuals that have different backgrounds. Sure. Um, and, you know, the devil is a, a very slick character. So, yeah. you know, he will use certain things to tempt you, to lead you away from the path that you're that you're supposed to walk. And so although I was technically walking a good path, um, I, I wasn't rooted. And so as I started getting older into junior high school, in high school specifically, um, a lot of my friends started to have a lot more of an influence on me than the people in the church. Sure. And so as I started, um, you know, developing these relationships with non-believers and uh, people that didn't, not necessarily bad people, but they didn't have any type of uh, roots in the church or any um, um, background in scripture. And so I started, uh, I never used to go to parties. I never you know, I wasn't dating. I was, you know, I didn't even curse. Right. But then, you know, you started seeing a lot of different changes in my character. I started cursing, started going to parties and started getting interested in, in girls, um, had a girlfriend, wasn't faithful to her. Um, and as I got a little bit older, um, I got my girlfriend at the time pregnant. Uh, we had been together at that point, I want to say four to five years, um, four to five years of unfit. how old were you then so how old so this is obviously kylia right uh-huh. how old were you when uh you got kylia's mom pregnant so i was 16 when i started dating kylia's mother uh she got pregnant when i was 20 kylia was born when i was 21 okay so started early and um and obviously when i know kylia so if you, you know if you're a part of the church you know who kylia is okay so uh things didn't change yet so kind of walk me through this. So kind of pick up after you have Kylia, how does life stay the same? How does it change? Where do you go? So I was teaching Sunday school at the church I attended to. Uh, I went to Not Avenue Christian Church uh, in the city of Anaheim. Mm-hmm. And um, when I went into eighth grade, I started teaching first as an assistant. Uh, and then I want to say around 18 or 19, uh, I was given my own class to um, be the, the, the teacher of. And so, you know, I thought that I was doing really well in life. You know, I thought I was a good kid. Um, You know, I thought I I did a lot to try to give back, but I wasn't really rooted. And so I wasn't living the lifestyle that I was preaching to these kids. 
And so when I turned 21 or when I had Kylea at 21, uh, I went to the youth minister direct uh, ministry director and I told him, you know, that I'm going to have a child, which I thought was really good news. I was very excited about it. And uh, he sat me down and he had a conversation with me and uh, he gracefully asked me to stop teaching because I clearly wasn't living the lifestyle sure. that I was preaching, which at the time I took very personally. You know, I, I thought that this was a joyous occasion because, again, I wasn't really living the lifestyle that I yeah. was preaching. I wasn't really grasping the concept of the text. And so that actually led me to walk away from the church. I was really brokenhearted, actually. Um, and so for a period of years, I walked away from the church. I didn't attend a service. I wasn't reading the scripture. And uh, I was just really being influenced heavily by the world. So I think, one, I really like how you said this and how you portrayed Not Avenue um, they're a local church. I mean, they're not too far from here. And you said he graciously approached you, confronts you with, hey, man, you're teaching our kids and yet you're not living consistent with uh, a Christian a Christian life. Like you're sleeping with your girlfriend, and you have a baby. And, I, and you said, like, this is a joyous occasion. Like you really didn't get it. Like you didn't get that there was a disconnect between uh, Christian living sexual fidelity and 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 what you were doing which wasn't that and so there was a disconnect so would you say so I think I heard you correctly I don't hear a hypocrisy like you know better and you're doing it anyways I heard I'm teaching the bible stories and the kids and I think I'm a good person but I really don't get it is that accurate yeah, I would definitely say that um, at the time, obviously, I didn't see that. But now uh, I'm much older, sure. a little bit more mature um, and more importantly, have a, a much better relationship with the Lord. Uh, but at that time, I, I truly didn't have a relationship with the Lord. I just had a, a set of guidelines to live my life by. But because I wasn't rooted, I slowly started um, I slowly started going away from sure. that list of guidelines. Uh, but I didn't realize it. I still thought I was living a good lifestyle. Okay. But because like you said, I didn't truly get it. I wasn't living that lifestyle. So then, so this, so this pulls you out of the church. So there's an offense uh, and a, and a disconnect with that. And so it pulls you out of the church. So take me to that part of your life, kind of you pull away from the church and, um, but eventually you come to a, a moment of crisis, for lack of better terms, that is going to change your life. So tell me that part. So during the time that I walked away from the church, I, I really started gravitating to or towards a lot of things in the world. Um, you know, I had a void in my heart that I was trying to fill, but I was trying to fill it with material possessions, with, um, you know, music, idolizing different, you know, rap artists and things of that nature, um, dating different women, um, just a lot of things that the world would tell you that you should strive for. So I started striving, you know, to get a good job, to make a lot of money and to be successful in the way that the world would define success. And so, you know, I started relying on my own, uh, my own strengths and my own skills. Sure. And, um, I was able to, you know, do really well in the workforce. And I was able to provide my kids with a house. I had multiple cars. Um, I had a lot of money in the bank. So you just said kids. So now you got a son too, uh, okay. yeah. right? So, so same woman, different woman. 
so I had Jaden with a different woman. Um, okay. I had Jaden when I was 24. No, I'm sorry. I started dating Jaden's mother when I was 24, and I had Jaden when I was, I want to say, 27 or 28. Okay. Um, and the relationship with that woman, no different than the first. You know, I wasn't faithful. Um, I was faithful for a longer period of time, but there still came a point in time where sure. I wasn't happy. And, um, you know, again, I had a void in my heart and I started seeking it in the wrong places. I was seeking my happiness and my contentment in women and, and things. Totally. And so. Yeah, no, no, sorry. I wasn't trying to cut you off. I was just, yeah, it makes sense. So I, I hear, uh, and this is, I'll say why I say it. I know you do music now and, and you like hip hop, rap music. Back at that time, you said something to the effect of idolizing different artists. So you were kind of, whether that was the most influential thing or not is, is not really what I'm saying, but you were kind of living that life. So money, women, I mean, that is, that is a theme for hip hop for sure, right? Minus drug dealing and violence, you were living the other part of it. And so you were leaning into those worldly descriptions that we get all over the place social media we get it on tv we get it in culture we get it from hip-hop music whatever else so you were succeeding in human terms but you were not succeeding internally and so your relationships were unfulfilled and so when that would happen and you you know you would go be, sleep with somebody else or do something and, and you weren't faithful and so so that's kind of where you're living and you're now outside the church. And so, like you said, you're trying to seek something internally. You didn't really have words for it at the time, probably. What causes that to change? Well, um, throughout the years, you know, just because obviously my background was in the church, you know, mm -hmm. I again, I still had a basis of guidelines that I should be living by. And although I wasn't really rooted in my faith, I still knew that there was a certain way that I should be living and I wasn't living according to even those guidelines. Even if you just put it down on a piece of paper and said, these are the things you should be doing. Like and the these, rules. The rules. Okay. I clearly wasn't following the rules at that point. And so I'm looking at myself, you know, I, I'm, I've got two kids by two different women, neither of which I'm married to. This is not the person that I thought I would be when sure. I was this, the five-year-old me, the 10-year-old me <laughs> would look at me and say, who are you? I don't recognize right. you. And so I had that moment. And so I started going back to church because, again, I knew I was missing something. I still didn't know at that point it was the Lord. But I did. I realized that there was a lot. There was something much different in my life now opposed to before. And before I was in the church. Sure. So I started going back to church, but it was very it was still empty. You know, I started going to uh, Cottonwood Church in La Salle, uh, which is a really large church. Right. And uh, it's a good church. Sure. But. For me, it was ideal at the moment because I still didn't get it. At that point, okay. I just wanted to go to church and say, you know, I'm, I'm going back to being a Christian, which to me at that point was it was something that you step into or step out of. Like I'm putting on my Christian clothes and I'm going to try to be a Christian again. Right. Uh, it wasn't a, a lifestyle or it wasn't who I was. So I started going back to church. Um, it was ideal for me to do Cottonwood because it's a large church and I can get in, get out. I don't have to worry about establishing relationships if I don't want to, because it's right. such a large church. Nobody notices whether you're there or not. Um, they obviously do give you avenues to get involved in the church, but it's, it's optional. You know, I don't have people tugging at me and saying, Hey, you know, why don't you come be a part of this group? Why don't you, you know, come to, to the park with us after service? So let me ask you a question. So is it safe to say this, uh, hearing you describe it and, and I, and I just want to say this. I want people that are listening to hear this. 
I appreciate that you paint Not Avenue in a good light and Cottonwood in a good light. It wasn't the church, it was you. And I like mm-hmm. that part about that because churches, big churches, little churches, whatever, uh, they provide venues for you to connect. Sometimes the setting allows you not to, right? Mm-hmm. And, and in that setting, you didn't. But is it fair to say in the same way as you were pursuing, uh, I'll say manhood in the world, uh, you know, money, women, provision for children, and provision for children is a good thing, right? Mm-hmm. So you're kind of checking boxes here. Now you switch. Now you're going to check Christian boxes, but really there hasn't been a gospel change. Is Correct. that fair? Yeah, I definitely didn't have a change of heart. Okay. Um, I just knew that something was going wrong and I was still trying to fulfill it in the way that you would if you're living in the world, sure. which is on the outside. I just need to change something I'm doing. I don't necessarily need to change who I am Got inside. It. I just need to change some of the things that I'm doing in, in my life. Um, and so, you know, what I valued in life was, again, you know, success in worldly terms having a house, having money in the bank, having cars. And more importantly for me actually was just providing for my children. I kind of defined myself by my ability to provide for my children. So I felt very good about myself being able to provide my kids with their own rooms to sleep in, buying them a dog and, you know, taking them to Disneyland and things of that nature. Um, And so, you know, I felt successful, but again, I still had a void and I realized that I needed to go back to church. But when I started going back, I wasn't going for the right reasons. Sure, I get it. And so you're changing your external circumstances and what you do, but that doesn't change you yet. So how do you get to a place where Jesus enters the story and really starts now you changing you? So what Jesus did for me and I thank him for doing so because I'm a hard-headed individual and sometimes I have to physically <laughs> go through it in order to get the message. Sure. But he took everything away. All the things right. that I idolized, the cars, the house, the, the, all the money, he stripped me of all of that. I went through a very, very bad financial crisis, uh, which you know, to some people might not be so bad, but for me, it was what I would consider my rock bottom. Sure. Uh, I had to move myself and the kids out of the house into a small two-bedroom condo where they had to share a room. Uh, they had to sleep on bunk beds. I had to get rid of the dog, lost a lot of my uh, material possessions. So for me at that time, it was devastating. Um, but during that point in time is where I, where I really met the Lord. And I started to actually establish a relationship with the Lord. Uh, and I started realizing that those things didn't define me. And if I allowed those things to define me, then I clearly was in the wrong place. And um, even though I was going through struggles for about a two-year time frame, during that two years, I had more peace and happiness in my life than I did at any other point in time in my life. And I really started to get to know the Lord during that time. Let me, so snapshot of that time right here. So I got a couple of questions. One, um, this internal change. Two, um, you said like the kids go from their own rooms, backyard dog, to bunk beds in the same room. Um, did, did they see you as any less of a dad in that moment? No, actually, my kids were very understanding. Um, There were days where I would sit there and cry. And, you know, um, you know, there's occasions where Kylia might walk in and, you know, she'd ask me what's wrong. And, you know, they were very encouraging to me and they absolutely did not change in the way they viewed me. So your fatherhood was not dependent upon two rooms, a backyard and a dog, but something else. And so this is a lesson you're learning about fatherhood, manhood, and I don't, there's not a hood, a Christian hood, <laughs> but your, <laughs> your connection to Jesus, you're learning, 
like three parallel tracks, what it looks like to be a man, a dad, and a Christian in the same way where some of the things prior that define those things are no longer what defines them. And you're learning these lessons. And I might even say it sounds like sometimes through your kids. Mm-hmm. So how does so how do you then change your how does your faith and now we're hearing how your faith changes you what are the components that aid you in in maturing you growing you coming to actual faith right i'm not i'm not asking like if you had died prior would you have gone to heaven it's not a heaven or hell thing but really it's a relationship with jesus thing how what do you do that fosters the change for that well i started um consulting with people that I loved and that I knew loved me. I started talking to my parents about my struggles. I've always been a very prideful person. Well, in the past, I was very, very prideful. I never really liked to disclose to anybody what I was dealing with internally or any struggles that I might be having. And so I started talking to my parents about it, really opening up to them about what I was going through um, and just allowing them to feed me with with scripture and, um, you know, taking some direction from them opposed to just telling them and walking away. Uh, I started diving into the Bible and, you know, actually spending time on my own, speaking to the Lord and digging into his word and trying to understand his word and really starting to establish an actual relationship with him, opposed to just looking at uh, my faith as a list of things that I do or don't do, realizing that my faith is based off of a true, actual living relationship with the Lord. Hmm. So I would have to venture a guess just because I know you. Um, I didn't know you apart from jesus so um but i assume your connection to your kids back in the day pre this right pre-crisis um i don't think you probably just gave them a room and just took them to disneyland you probably had a good relationship with them is that fair yeah i mean me and my kids have always had a great relationship but as i've grown in my faith I've realized that um, my relationship with my kids wasn't what it should be still. Um, I looked at my, I gauged my success as a father on my ability to provide, but I was trying to provide them with material things and worldly possessions. Now I gauge my success as a father at how much I could provide them uh, in their faith. You know, how much I can, how I can lead them to the Lord. And so the closer my kids get to the Lord, and I allow them to do it as individuals because I realized when I was a kid, I did not have an individual relationship with the Lord. So um, the more that I could teach them to build their own personal relationships with the Lord uh, and the closer I get them to the Lord is how I gauge my success as a father now. And in doing that, it's tremendously grown my relationship with my kids. We're a lot more open with each other now, uh, whereas in the past, I was sometimes um, scared to have certain conversations with sure. them or nervous about opening up a dialogue. Uh, But now we have a really open line of communication with each other. We're very honest with each other, Um, even myself included. You know, I'll I'll talk to the kids. Obviously, I do use discernment on the things that I should and shouldn't discuss with them. But I will be honest and and transparent with them. And um, I'll also be um, trying to think of the the best word to use, but um, not so prideful. You know, it's okay Okay. to be weak in front of your children at times and and let them see uh, your your humility. And so, yeah, it's, it's grown our relationship tremendously. That's cool. Yeah, I, what I would see there is when your life is built on your quote-unquote success, it becomes really hard to talk about failures, right? Mm-hmm. But when your life is built on your faith, 
um, really the premise is we have failures that have to be offset by a savior who is sinless and has not failed where we failed he succeeded and so you get to then enter into real dialogues about you know when you drop the ball in life and because they're going to drop the ball in life and so you get to be a different dad there i like that so what gets you to generations church so you've been here for a while what brought you here so like i mentioned earlier i started going back to church and we had been going to cottonwood for about five years and um you know as i was going through these struggles and developing my relationship with the lord i started realizing that even though yes i'm taking my kids to church every sunday um, and I'm starting to read my Bible and I'm developing a relationship with the Lord, I realized that I'm still missing the point. You know, I'm going to Cottonwood specifically because it's very easy for me to get in and get out. Mm. Um, and I'm still missing the, the relationships. I'm not communing with other followers. I'm not, uh, you know, there's the saying iron sharpens iron. Well, I was trying to sharpen myself. And so okay. uh, my parents would continually ask me to come to Generations. And I had actually attended, I forget what, what you guys were called back then in the old building. Oh yeah. Park. And we were at park church. Yeah. That's right. Park yeah. church. So I attended an event you guys did with, uh, I forget his name, but he did some spoken word. Oh yeah. Uh, okay. Propaganda. Propaganda. Yeah. yeah. And so that I, actually was generations. It was pre building. So we okay. were, yeah, we were meeting in a school. I didn't know you were there for that. That's right. Yeah. I attended that. And then, uh, so I had already been familiar with you and some of the people at the church and, uh, I started actually doing a Bible study with my dad. Uh, like I said, my parents have been very instrumental in, in my change in faith. Mm. Um, and I think that God gave me parents that were, you know, specifically put in my life for that reason to, to lead me back to him. Um, but uh, my dad and I started doing a Bible study and part of that Bible study was listening to your messages. And so I got a really good taste of your preaching mm. style and um, you know, the fact that you you preach based off scripture. Yeah. And so it started speaking to me and I started getting fed in a way that I wasn't getting fed at Cottonwood. And again, it's nothing against Cottonwood. I think that it's an amazing church. Right. I think they have a lot of people that are on fire for the Lord at that church, um, but it just wasn't feeding me the way that I needed to be fed. And so I decided to come and from day one, um, the first service that I actually attended here, and at that time you guys were already here in this building. Right. Um, I just, you know, I, I felt like this was the place I needed to be. That's cool. So I didn't know uh, the studies with Reggie, your dad, and uh, I didn't know that part. So that's cool to hear. Um, and uh, yeah, man, shout out to parents who love their children and value like you now with your kids. Um, Reggie, even on in well into your adulthood, found that role of a father to you as a critical role in faith. And so super cool there. So here, uh, let me back out of that. So I, I, I was going to ask a question of like, well, what did you do to connect? But I, I know what you do. I'd rather ask it this way. So for people that are listening to this and you said something really, really pointed and focused, you were going to Cottonwood, which if you don't know what Cottonwood is, it, the church is thousands, right? And it is a good church. When we started Generation six and a half years ago, uh, Bayless Conley, who was the lead pastor at the time, his son, I believe, now leads it. Uh, but he called me up. He's like, hey, man, you're starting a church in Los Al. Let me take you to breakfast. So they reached out like, I have nothing good but good to say about them. You said you were attending there so that you could slip in, slip out, and not get noticed, where we're you know, a fraction of the size, and that's not going to happen. And so 
you make the change. It was you. It wasn't the church. It was you. And you start coming here. What would you say to someone who hears that part? Because this is, this is a lot of people, and they do it in small churches, big churches, everywhere, who shows up on Sundays but doesn't connect beyond that. What would you say to them that would encourage them to take next steps? Well, uh, what I would say is that it's, it's, I don't remember the exact passage, but, uh, you know, we're all a part of the body of Christ and we can't do this thing called life without each other. Right. And, um, you know, you're always going to be better off with others than you are alone. You know, obviously you do have to use good judgment in who you, you know, do life with. Um, but iron sharpens iron, you know, you're not going to be able to do this successfully on your own and you do need other believers to hold you accountable for things, to walk through life with you, uh, to help you go through your struggles. Um, you know, just even the men's group that we do on Tuesday mornings for me has been, uh, instrumental in my walk with the Lord and strengthening me. I can't tell you how many, uh, Tuesdays I've walked out and, uh, typically Lily and I have a conversation every morning after we both drop off the kids. And so I can't tell you how many Tuesdays she'll ask me how the men's group go. And I tell her it was exactly what I needed hmm. or I'll open, we'll open up a dialogue about it. And sure. I'll say, you know what? It actually made me think about something in our relationship. And so just, you know, going to church is, is not uh, just something you do on a Sunday, right? which is how I used to look at it. I just wanted to go to church and say that I did it. And uh, it made me feel good about myself and make me feel like a good Christian. But uh, church is not just something you do. It's something you're a part of. Yeah. And so if you're going to church every Sunday and you're just going to check that box off, uh, you're, you're missing the point. And for a long period of time, that was me. Okay, that's good. And, and so, yeah, I, and I say this all the time because it's so culturally ingrained in us. So I say go to church all the time, right? But we don't go to church. We are the church, right? And, you know, we get to be the church and participate in the body. And um, I think of passages like 1 Corinthians 11, 12, 13, where it's talking about the church and we are members of one body, right? Like if a hand, you know, can't look at a foot and say, you know, I'm a hand, I'm cool, you're a foot, we don't need you. Like, well, okay, that's great until you got to run and catch a ball, you mm -hmm. know? <laughs> the hand can only get there with the feet, right? Or the eye and the ear and, and, and the intricate parts of the body, even the things we can't see that are so critically important, right? You are that for me and I'm that for you. Right. And, and not just because we're sitting here, but because we are the church. Mm -hmm. 100%. And, and so I know. And so you talked about Lily now and, and we've both mentioned her. So you guys are dating and you both have kids. And I know that part of your relationship, uh, though it is serious and I think focused towards, you know, a lifetime together. Uh, part of the conversation is raising your kids. Right. She's got kids. you got kids. You don't just sandwich that thing together overnight. Like you guys are being intentional about that. And so I want to use that as a kind of a question for you. So it is clearly designed that we would have one man, one woman together with their own biological kids for a lifetime. Like that's plan A, mm -hmm. right? Most of us don't live in plan A, whether it's family or not family. We, we live in, you know, the broken world that we live in and we contribute to that. Mm hmm so clearly it would be better had you, and I don't mean better like had you picked one of the moms or whatever, but better done the traditional family, mm -hmm. but you're not. And that kind of is, and that, that's not a judgment. You've come to faith and, and changed through that. And you're very intentional now about how you merge those families together. 
And so in the same way, that really for me is a metaphor for the church, right? The plan is we do this together a particular way, right? And when we don't do that, we're, we're in a hole already, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, you share time with, with your kids' moms, right? So there's times you don't have them, mm -hmm. right? That's not your first choice. No, absolutely not. I tell people all the time because the question often comes up, you know, how is your relationship with the kids' mothers? Uh, and I'm fortunate enough to have really good relationships with both of my kids' mothers. Uh, and we share 50% custody and both my kids are on the exact same schedule. So I actually have what would be considered the best case scenario for this situation. Yeah. But I tell people all the time, even in the best case scenario of this particular situation, I wouldn't advise anybody to go down that route. Right. Now, I wouldn't change my kids for the world. I love them, you know, uh, but I definitely do wish that I would have done things differently. And anybody that I talk to, I always tell them that you need to wait. And there's reasons why the Lord has given us specific steps on how marriage should be yeah. lived out and why we shouldn't be having premarital sex. It's not just a rule. There's, totally. there's reasons why he doesn't want us doing those things. But that becomes really an image of hey, God has also created a spiritual family for you, mm -hmm. right? And when you try and do it your way, I show up on Sunday and I bounce, but I don't connect, right? Or, you know, I only connect on my terms. Well, it's kind of like your family. Can you make it work and can you do well in plan B? Once it's all broken, Jesus puts it back together, of course, right? But living in the church participating in the church the way it's made to be where it is your spiritual family is the way it's meant to be mm -hmm. and and there's a purpose there right so it's a really cool parallel um and uh like your dad uh, and we didn't talk much about this i know the story he would share this openly but like straight up crackhead i mean like he struggled and just drugs and yet I would never know that about him today. And I hear the amazing things of how he walked with you, even as an adult, right? And so, um, and your mom works here. She does our admin stuff here. I love her deeply. So such a recovery, right? So there is such, like you said, you have the best case circumstance for your setting. It is a good thing. It's not the best thing, but you've made it work. God has redeemed those things, uh, and it's and I'm I'm really glad to hear that you have good relationships with their moms. That's super cool because that doesn't always happen. But your family rallied, came to faith, changed, and they're they're legit. They're solid folks, right? You come to faith and really build a best plan B, if you will. Jesus built a best plan B in mm -hmm. you, through you. And it really is, I think, hopeful for anybody out there who's living in a broken setting to hear, okay, I haven't, maybe I have thrown everything away, but Jesus can still work. And so if they're listening, no matter what their circumstance is, because I could say those words about addiction and, and prison and my background and all that, yours is different, but we definitely broke the lives that we were living. So no matter what the person, their issues, their sin, or the sins committed against them, whatever they're in, how would you give them hope if they're still in the brokenness part? Like, what would you say to them? Well, I would say that uh, if you're still living in the brokenness, the 
good thing about it is is that you're still living you're still breathing in the brokenness mm. i remember there was a couple um i think it was maybe three four weeks ago uh in our in our men's group which i i draw a lot of my examples from uh but alex said something uh during one of our conversations mm-hmm. And we were just talking about uh, the struggles that we go through and just being blessed to have the lives that we have. And uh, Alex made a comment where he said, you don't even deserve the struggles that you were given. And, <laughs> yeah. and the thing is, it's true. You know, the struggles that we go through, although they're real, and when you're in those struggles, you know, it's very hard to sometimes look for a positive side of things. But when you think about it, there's always somebody who has worse struggles than you. You sure. know, you look at Job, nobody's had those type of struggles. Right. And so the, the good thing about it is, is that the Lord will always help you come out of those struggles. And there's always blessings to be seen if you just look for them. If we concentrate on the struggles themselves, we'll walk around with a cloud over our head. Sure. But if we focus on the blessings, like in my case, you know, I looked at the fact that I had to move out of my house. I wasn't looking at the fact that I was still moving into a place with four walls and a roof, sure. that I still had a refrigerator with food in it. And uh, although I didn't have a lot of money in the bank, I had enough to pay the bills, which sometimes I had no idea when that money would come or where it would come from. But every single month, the Lord was faithful. And in some way, he provided. And so sometimes if we get focused looking at the struggle, it is hard sometimes to look towards tomorrow. But my my advice to somebody going through the struggles right now would be to start counting your blessings. Hmm. Uh, I actually even think about I think it was two weeks ago. Jeff Parrish made a comment about some struggles he was going through at one point in time and some advice he had been given from counsel was to talk to somebody else who has some struggle, who's gone through struggles. And at that time he was working with a lady who had severely disfigured hands, Mm. but was always joyful. And Jeff said, he asked her, you know, how do you do it? How do you get up every day uh, with so much joy? And you know, I never see you frowning. You're always smiling and you're clearly going through pain. And she said, it's easy. I just count my blessings. And that would be the advice that I would give to someone going through the struggles. Just count mm. your blessings because there are always blessings and we often squander them or, uh, you know, look right past them. But they're there and the blessings will continue to come the more you appreciate them. That's awesome. That's really, really good, uh, really good advice and a good word. And so if you're living in the brokenness right now of your life, your decisions have landed you in a place where you don't want to be. And I was just even listening to you, Chris. You you became a man you would never want your daughter to marry or your son to be, right? And so now I think, minus some of the mistakes you've made, I think you can look at your daughter and say, this is what you're looking for. Like, I, I've become that man. and Or to your son, be, the, you know, imitate me. You want better, but I mean, you know, like, but hey, you can follow me, right? And so if you're living in the brokenness right now, that real, deep, transformative relationship with Jesus that comes through um, connectivity to the larger body of the church, uh, that's where you find it. And you can go in and ask people that are struggling, like, hey, how do you, how do you get through this? Because one day when you're on the other side of it, you'll have a different perspective of it, for sure. And um, you mentioned Job. Job kept his eyes on God and Job, like you said, I mean, like lost everything, went through hardship, health, loss, all this, and yet continue to worship God. There is a way, you know. Well, thank you, Chris, man. I really appreciate you joining me this morning, sharing that story. 
If you're listening right now and that story resonates with you or you think it might relate to someone you know, feel free to share that. Subscribe to the podcast. We'll drop another episode of Stories of Faith next week. Our heart here is to just share the different stories of how Jesus relates to people because different people in different circumstances, and yet they still seem to have this common human need that Jesus meets amongst all of us. In the meantime, God bless you. Thank you for listening to this story about how Jesus made a difference. Generations Church is filled with ordinary people who met an extraordinary Savior. Subscribe so you don't miss a single story. Would you stop and share this with one friend today? The story of Jesus is most easily seen in the lives of people who know him.